I think we're all familiar with the phrase mustn't grumble, mustn't grumble, when people really are essentially saying that they are grumbling. We grumble at all sorts of things, which kind of puts the perspective into perspective the generation of the, the wilderness, the Dara Midbar, who actually were condemned to not enter the land of Israel because of today, because of the Egel Azov, the golden calf and the spies. The fact that they grumbled 10 times. 10 times in 40 years is a pretty good return, considering that, don't know about you, but I probably grumble about 10 times a day. And yeah, we'll grumble about how we're feeling, sleep, not enough, too much, not the right kind. We grumble at the bad weather. But you know what? <laughs> we, we, we do this also. We complain if it's raining. We complain if it's too hot. We complain if it's too cold. And yes, we complain when it's cloudy because uh, it's all dark and dingy. But as we know, all of these things can be positive. And they do say you can't appreciate the good weather without having seen the bad weather. And they do also say that really there's no such thing as bad weather anyway, only inappropriate clothing. So we've been talking about these clouds because it's used so much in a negative sense. Yosheth Choshech Sisroi sing the clouds, the darkness he made into his place of concealment, the voice of Sukhosoi, surrounded by his shelter, Cheshchas Mayim, the waters of darkness, Ovishchokim, the thick clouds of the heaven. And yeah, we've been saying a lot about the fact there's a lot of apparent negativity in the clouds and the golos and the darkness and Tishabab. And of course, that is true. But we've also pointed out that from the clouds come the rain. The concept of the silver lining. The fact that that generation in the wilderness were protected by clouds that stopped the harmful rays of the heat. So we can look at it whichever way we like. We can choose how to look at it. We can grumble and we can blame. And blaming is great because we can get to blame everybody else and sit comfortably whilst none of the blame gets attached to us and we can just remain totally numb, comfortably numb, or perhaps even, as we should be, uncomfortably numb. I remember years ago when I was studying law, we were discussing the concept of the but-for rule. If in the Havdil in Gomorrah terms, if two people started a fire at the same time, there's a question and a discussion as to who has the liability if the fire would have burnt down the said item, house, haystack, whatever it is, without the other one anyway. And I remember thinking about that when the case was brought up in law, there was a club, some kind of club in America, and the bouncers at the front door let in way too many people. Instead of 300 people, there were like 600 people. And that kind of might have been okay, but somebody had been smoking in there, which maybe also was okay. But that person dropped a cigarette on the carpet, which caused a fire. When the fire broke out, there was a stampede and people 
were trampled to death and some people were asphyxiated, burnt, etc. And then there was a massive court case. And it's not even clear who was being blamed for what and who the court case was against. Maybe it was against the uh, owners of the building for having just general responsibility or the lack of it thereof. Maybe it was the bouncers for not letting anyone, for sorry, for letting too many people in. Maybe it was the people who actually hadn't unlocked some of the emergency doors. Maybe it was the person who dropped the cigarette, or maybe it was the people who stampeded. So there's at least five, maybe more, probably many more people who could potentially be blamed. And a lot of commentators, especially from the psychological point of view, commented on this case and said, you know what, we live in such a society of blame that's very, very quick to try and label, uh, it's this one or it's that one. Is it one person, two people? Is it all parties? Is it none of them because it was all shared? You know, do, do, how do we, do we talk about collective responsibility? Who's to, yeah, how, how do we see it? And kind of all of this takes the, the idea of blame away from ourselves. Not that you or I would be responsible for that particular case, but it is important when you consider the story we've been examining because the Gomorrahs told us that because of Kamsa and Barakamsa, the Beis Amigdosh was destroyed. And we've discussed what was Kamsa's fault. It was Barakamsa. If they were father and son, we already explained that Barakamsa probably learnt that from his father. But then there were indications that Barakamsa blamed the important people, amongst whom would have been Sir Rabbonin, for not standing up for him in his moment of embarrassment. And then not only that, when, you know, the, the host, we'll come back to in a moment, Rabbi Zechariah ben Avkulas, who says, who defends the honour of the Beis Amigdosh and doesn't want Barakamsa just killed, he's blamed, his humility is blamed for destruction. That's what it seems. Two parties get away seemingly totally scot-free. The Romans, because they um, even try and say when, when Barakamsa says, you know, the Jews are rebelling against you. They say, well, who says? And they test it out. So it sounds they sound quite noble. And what about the host who's not even named? He's left anonymous. How crazy. But I think that this is the point. I think that the Gemara is indicating that in reality, we're looking and pointing and thinking that the Gomorrah's trying to tell us oh, it's because of this one, because of that one. You might find an indication of, of kind of like what was the catalyst. But do you really think the base Hamikdash wasn't going to be destroyed if it hadn't been for that party? No, no, no. We have just said and we've explained that there was sinas chinam, there was this baseless hatred which is endemic amongst the whole of the Jewish people. We said yesterday when we were discussing rhetorical questions that part of the discomfort sometimes with some of those questions that we don't answer is because we know that we are to blame. We're the ones to blame. It's how we look at things. It's the things that we say. It's our iron raw, our bad negative eye. It's our evil speech. It's our slander. It's our insinuations. And how amazing is it if you look very carefully at the Gemara, not even that carefully, you see that Barakamsa says to the Romans, you want me to prove it to you, I'll show you. Send them an animal and see if they offer it up on the Mizbech as a korban. See if they do it. And they send a beautiful calf, three-year-old, like perfect specimen. And then he does something along the way. He takes a knife and he puts a little nick, according to the first opinion in Gomorrah, in the upper lip of the animal. 
barely noticeable. And in the other opinion, the second opinion, he does it either on the eyelid or something even inside it. But the smallest of nicks that, according to halacha, renders it invalid for the Mizbeach, but it's hardly noticeable. And for the Romans, it would be totally okay. So much so that it was impossible to explain to the Romans that this was invalid and they just think this is an excuse to not accept the Korobonos, even though we know that you are meant to generally accept the Korobonos of someone who is not of the Jewish persuasion. So what have you got here? Barakanta has taken a knife and he's put the smallest incision in the eye or the lip, that's the iron raw, that's the loshnara, that is the sinas chinam, that's the hardly, barely noticeable thing. Why, what did I say wrong? You insinuated something. Yeah, but I didn't mean it. I'm not sorry. I just said he was very nice. And we do this to each other the whole time. It's a sinas chinam. And you know what? When things go pear-shaped, we suddenly blame everybody else and we don't realise that the blame is with us. We've already said that the Gemara says that the reason that one peric of Eichel, there is, although it goes alphabetically, the, the pay is put before the iron once, and we're told that the Maraglan, the spies, caused all of this because Hikdimu Pela iron, they brought the mouth before the eye, the pay came before the iron. That is distorted speech and distorted vision because they'd already decided what they were going to see and therefore say. But you know what? It's not just the Maraglan. We're doing this as well. Our blame game is directed outwards and never inwards. Let us get rid of that distortion. Let us clean that lens. And you know what? Yeah, we should then be able to stop grumbling.